You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Our executive director, Kyle Matthews, is organizing a series of interviews to support the AI and COVID disinformation initiative by the OSCE Office for the Representative of Freedom of the Media. Hello, everyone. My name is Kyle Matthews. I'm executive director of the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. We're very pleased uh, to have you join us today for a discussion on um, a very topical subject, uh, which is the intersection of artificial intelligence, uh, disinformation during the COVID era, and freedom of expression. What does all of this mean? Um, So this project is part of a initiative supported by the OSCE's Office for Representative on on Media Freedom. Um, And we're very pleased to have us today, uh, an interesting expert working in the European uh, context. Uh, We have Nadia Kovalchikova. I hope I pronounced that right, Nadia. Uh, Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Nadia is a program manager and fellow at the Alliance for Securing Democracy at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. Um, Nadia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Kyle. So Nadia, I want to start off and and, um, get your perspectives on what do you believe are the key challenges raised by digital disinformation during the COVID pandemic? What is your work on this right now and and how do you see, what what are the challenges that we're facing? Thanks. Um, I think during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the times of uncertainty and pandemic is definitely uh, one of them. Uh, create a lot of uncertainty within people's um, uh, lives, uh, professional, personal, and a lot of people turned towards more online sources uh, to consume the information about the virus and uh, other things as well. And as we have seen uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, it has been accompanied by so-called infodemic. The World Health Organization identified or defined the infodemic as, a, as the overabundance of information, be it uh, true or false, accurate or not, that makes it more difficult for people to identify trustworthy information and reliable sources. And uh, because this can lead to further confusion and doubts, it's quite um, easier than to exploit that uncertainty and the confusion by malign actors that do want to interfere with uh, manipulated narratives influence the public debate, deliberately spread uh, and amplify this information. And COVID-19 has been surely, um, this period has been surely very fertile ground for such efforts. Also, for example, we have seen another challenge that uh, the activities and behavior of the foreign authoritarian actors such as Russia and China have been really increased during COVID-19 pandemic. Um, They have been much more active um, in the information space. For example, they spread this information about the origins of the virus, of the cure, of the capacity of the EU or NATO or different countries to tackle the pandemic effectively and therefore contribute to further tensions and divisions between allies and partners, but also between the people and their governments. So this has been a challenge that actually still continues. And perhaps Thirdly, there has been a challenge of uh, uh, engaging social media platforms and looking for solutions and measures 
to counter the amplification of this information across the platforms that uh, are very much used to spread this information. And there have been discussions about regulation of the platforms, of their role and responsibilities. And so this is a challenge uh, also in the transatlantic context or global context, how to address uh, this also with the platforms in cooperation with the social media platforms. That's fascinating, Nadia. We're having the same discussions in Canada right now about regulating platforms, but also foreign interference and 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 these kind of counter narratives. So it's fascinating to know that what you're seeing is is, is similar to North America. Um, I'd like to turn to something else. So we, we talked about you know foreign actors, malign actors, but I'm wondering, in your perspective, is there any evidence that artificial intelligence is playing a role in, in enabling disinformation? I think going back perhaps to the to the platforms, uh, artificial intelligence has really played a role in magnifying the scale and the effectiveness of the disinformation operations. And because of the architecture and design of the platforms that really enables the amplification of the conspiracy theories of the information that really triggers certain emotions that many times are used in disinformation efforts because they work and they enforce uh, the narrative sharing. Um, the AI really helps enabling uh, this type of uh, dissemination. Um, we could also speak, for example, about um, uh, micro-targeting, which really is able to identify concrete, unique characteristics of the users that can be further targeted uh, either with um, um, you know, some kind of manipulated information or uh, the products that uh, they may normally would not look for or, or even uh, be able to identify them uh, online and see their behavior and that can be also exploited. And I think what has been quite trending as well, this kind of term of deep fakes, right? This audiovisual um, potential manipulated content that uh, can literally replace real content and has been first used only in the film industry and now can be uh, is available already in the open market and uh, can be quite easily used um, and uh, these softwares can be also abused and exploited for manipulating also the video and audio content which has been a newer way of uh, disinformation we could say or manipulated information because disinformation as such has been already in our public spheres, especially in Europe, with the experience, uh, if you speak about the foreign authoritarian interference and from Russia that has been historically uh, happening in several countries uh, for quite a bit of time. So this is another way of the digital disinformation that we have been experiencing more recently as well. Thank you, that's fascinating to talk about the rise of deep fakes and, and what that means for a post-truth society, what people talk about. But also you talked about the platforms and the algorithms and how they, they can do this micro-targeting and really go after people's psychology and using marketing techniques to, um, you know, to get people riled up and to, emotion, uh, to have an emotional response. This is fascinating. So, so looking at these, these issues, um, these emerging technologies and how platforms uh, place a role in this, I'm wondering if you could comment um, about what possible legislative or, or policy measures governments could put in place to counter disinformation and lying? Well, there have been already some efforts, but I agree with you, they can and they should uh, uh, put more policies and uh, potentially even regulations and measures in place. I mean, in the European context, we actually had the European Council 
first time recognizing the online disinformation in 2015, which uh, especially also gave more visibility to the online disinformation spread by Russia. And uh, they tasked the commission and the high representative of the external action service of the EU to uh, look further into this type of uh, interference and uh, dissemination of this information and contributed with a lot of um, resources, more resources than ever before, financial resources, human resources, to have the East Stratcom, Strategic Communication Task Force, but also other task forces to be able to address this dissemination of this information. And then more recently, actually at the end of 2018, there have been the uh, action plan on disinformation or against disinformation, uh, published based on the also joint communication of the European Commission and the External Action Service, where they went more into details why this is a threat, recognizing the threat and uh, looking for the ways to counter it uh, across the European Union uh, with the member states uh, and uh, more effectively also with the social media platforms. And I think this leads me to very, very recent efforts where at least at the European Union level, uh, we just had uh, uh, less than two months ago adopted or a couple of months ago adopted European Democracy Action Plan. And European Democracy Action Plan, which has been adopted by the Commission and External Action Service, has been um, focusing on uh, three pillars. And one of the pillars is combating this information more effectively. And there are a lot of uh, proposals that come out from this uh, proposal that will need to be implemented by the member states of the EU. And we will only see in 2023 how well they were implemented, what was not, and what works, what doesn't, and so what should be the further steps. But um, there has been, for example, an introduction uh, of more of a co-regulatory approach uh, to tackle this information with the social media platforms that will need to be more developed uh, based on the Digital Services Act, another policy. And so this is a way to make this self-regulatory measure so far, the Code of uh, Practice and Disinformation, where several media, social media platforms are members. Uh, so self-regulatory to more co-regulatory. So increase the transparency about how does the content circulate, uh, where does it originate, uh, the algorithms overall, so more transparency on that, but also potential sanctions uh, and more accountability of social media um, because they play a key role in the dissemination, in allowing the dissemination and amplification of this information. So some of these efforts at the EU level have been really intensified. More resources were given, more attention, more recognition that this information amplification is a threat. There have been also a new committee, special committee in the European Parliament. But that is very good. But ultimately, it has to be the it had to be or have to be the member states of the EU that implemented the governments. So we have a few good examples. For example, in Sweden, already some years ago, uh, prior to the parliamentary elections, the Swedish Civil Contingencies Agency have really contributed to raising awareness about this information, educating uh, the residents of Sweden, the citizens about the threat of this information two years prior to the election. So really starting early enough uh, before the disinformation operations would accelerate closer to the election. So disinformation uh, Countering is a whole election cycle effort. It, it should not be really concentrated only around elections. And Sweden has recognized that, knows it historically, knows it as well, and therefore be, built the resilience of their populations, of their citizens, um, to the extent that they did not really face the issues uh, of the influence as they could have 
otherwise. So there could be other efforts, you know, we could discuss uh, more into educational policies like digital and media literacy efforts, um, more engagement, more support perhaps uh, of media, investigative journalists, uh, independent local media um, that has started to be more addressed, but it still needs to be addressed uh, more. Uh, well, thank you, Nadia. That was really detailed and giving us an overview of of some of the concrete measures governments are doing across Europe. Um, and it also, I think you you correctly highlighted this, this uh, growing awareness that disinformation is a problem um, and that, that there needs to be some regulation. And, and so I'd like to go to the next question because this is a, an issue happening, I think, in many democracies. It's, it's about the role of the tech companies. And I'm wondering um, if you might be able to comment and, and say, have you seen any policies or measures tech companies have introduced to deal with disinformation that 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 are useful, um, and also um, how they are going about to deal with disinformation while guaranteeing freedom of expression, which is a fundamental issue for users online. Um, I'm wondering if you could maybe talk about this. Have you seen anything what tech companies are doing that that is positive uh, that that should be emulated? I think they played. Um an important role during the COVID-19 pandemic in certain sense, because they worked more with um, health uh, institutions than, of course, before. It was more critical and necessary to promote uh, verifiable, accurate content for people to understand uh, the virus, uh, to be able to orientate themselves, filter the information. So this kind of cooperation with the authoritative uh, sources and institutions, I think, has been uh, good and beneficial in order to introduce more of this accurate factual information into the content that uh, spreads uh, across our uh, platforms. There have been other efforts to, for example, try to limit the, uh, the accounts that uh, tend to spread this information, take them down, or uh, in other ways, moderate uh, the content that they identified as harmful. Uh, they have broadened, for example, Twitter broadened the definition of the harmful content so that uh, allow them to better address perhaps the circulation and amplification of such content. But I think, as you as you mentioned, this is a um, very important to be very careful about this uh, because of the freedom of expression and uh, speech that in democracies we really have to protect and the democratic principles uh, of the freedom of speech are extremely uh, sensitive in the context of tackling this information. So here uh, we have also seen that the social media platforms, even though they have taken more editorial responsibilities in some way or content moderation, they still do not conceive themselves as uh, as media actors uh, in some way. And so some legislation um, uh, is not necessarily uh, in impacted or implying their irresponsibility. So I think with this increased role and the increased responsibilities that social media platforms have, we also um, need to spend more time and focus even further on the accountability of the social media platforms that play such a critical role in the amplification and dissemination or allowing for that uh, amplification of disinformation operations. So Nadia, I have one last question. Um, you, you've gone into detail about the role of tech companies, about the role of governments, but I, I, I'd like to ask you in closing, um, what can civil society do to protect and promote the right to freedom of opinion and expression while countering digital disinformation? 
think civil societies are also one of the important stakeholders in this whole effort uh, with the governments, the intergovernmental institutions, the platforms, uh, media. And because they are one of the actors, I think they need to also continue to play a role which is collaborative uh, with all these other actors to help, uh, especially also the policymakers, um, but uh, the citizens as well, to better address uh, this uh, disinformation operations. And uh, so they have a crucial role in uh, helping build the resilience of the citizens. I think the raising of the awareness is one of the uh, good uh, tasks that uh, civil society organizations have already been performing much more intensively in the last years. And also uh, giving people context about this threat, making them understand the, how does it matter in their lives uh, to understand this information, to be able to detect, identify, but also protect themselves and not spread it further. Why, why is it really a threat? And I think this um, awareness raising, but also understanding and the work um, with the citizens through all kinds of uh, trainings or uh, cooperative efforts with the other stakeholders, giving them this holistic approach of understanding that this information is only one tool of a certain type of interference or influence. And many times it's used with other tools of interference of uh, cyber operations or, you know, mainline finance uh, funding some parties or efforts. And all of this is a package, it's a toolkit. And I think civil societies have a great um, exposure and uh, ability to provide also the context of this where it will help build resilience but also a certain uh, protection uh, and understanding of the disinformation by, by the citizens. Nadia, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise and knowledge. Um, sounds like you're doing some really important work and, and it shows uh, how depth you understand these issues. So I just wanna thank you again and uh, for taking time to join us today. Thank you for inviting me and all the best for this project.